Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm Kevin. So close. It happened once. It might happen again. Yeah. All right. So we read Shonen Jump issue. I didn't write it down. I believe this is 354 by the Comixology numbering system. Okay. That sounds right to me. And it was a good one. Yeah. There was some really cool stuff in here. I've been kind of down on Shonen Jump lately, so I wanted to get out up front and say it's a good one. Also later, we read Parasite by Hitoshi Iwaki, and it was also surprisingly okay, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Shall we start by just diving right in? Let's do it. Okay, so this has a Bleach cover. Oh, wait, it's not a Bleach cover. It's a new series Yep. starring definitely not Ichigo with a chainsaw called Chainsaw Man. Yes. So that's the first story in the issue. What did you think of Chainsaw Man? It has some potential, I think. The fight scene with like the zombie demon and all the people got really kind of muddy. Like there was a couple action panels where I didn't know what was happening. It was like, is he throwing the garbage dumpster? Dumpster. Yeah, it was like, is he throwing the dumpster at him? Like what's going on here? Then it it was just that one panel was super confusing. Like I there's a bunch of like action lines going on, but I don't I don't know what's happening. All right, I'll love you with you. I loved Chainsaw Man. I definitely have the same concerns about the art, especially since this is chapter one, and you have the most time to draw chapter one. So if the artist doesn't get better at action scenes, it's not going to be great, but all the like character and plot stuff I really, really liked. Yeah. And I really hope English Shonen Jump keeps this series around for more than three chapters. It probably will, because if it made it in outside of a... Like, this isn't part of their, hey, this is... This is part of the jumpstart. Is it part of the jumpstart? It said that on there. Oh, sorry. I didn't think it was part of the jumpstart. But yeah, I did like it. Like I said, it was really just that one panel where I was super confused what was happening. And then they did get kind of muddy, but I at least understood, oh, it's this guy with a bunch of chainsaws. I did really like the art of him not in action scenes. Like, the chainsaw dog thing was really cool. Or the chainsaw demon, I guess. It's a dog demon. Yes. So Chainsaw Man is about a dude who is in debt to the Yakuza because his dad committed suicide in debt to the Yakuza. Yep. And he made a pact with a little chainsaw dog demon that he let it suck his blood so it wouldn't die in exchange for it like granting him chainsaw power, which is mostly just using this dog that is a chainsaw to chainsaw things. Yeah. He was kind of like, I'll let you live if you almost keep me company like you'll be my pet kind of thing yeah so he goes around killing demons for the yakuza which didn't take most of his money so all he can afford to eat is bread yep just bread just one single piece of bread and he dreams of one day being able to eat jam on his bread and hug a girl and play video games with her yes and brother same well i dream a little bit more hug a girl and play video games sure but the food situation you know I, i dream a little bit more of than Bread with some jam on it. Anyway, the Yakuza decide to murder him and to sacrifice him to a demon of their own so they can gain demon powers. Yep. But he had told his chainsaw dog that if he ever died, the dog could possess him and live with his body. Yep. So he dies and then gets kind of reborn as someone with a ripcord in his heart, which he can pull out to turn into definitely not a hollow. Yeah. He grows chainsaws like out of his hands. Maybe his knees, I think. This is where the art's a little muddy exactly what is going on, but he 
sprouted at least three chainsaws out of his body and then has some weird helmet thing on his head. It looks very much like a hollow mask to me or it, maybe a Jason mask. It does. Yeah, some weird mask thing on his head. All of the art seems very Bleach inspired to me, which is not a bad thing necessarily. I wish Denji looked a little less like Ichigo, but... Yeah. Uh, anyway, he kills the demon, kills a bunch of zombies that he turned the Yakuza into. And then a girl shows up and is like, hey, I'm a demon hunter. What's up? You kill all these dudes? Cool. I can either murder you or you can come be my pet. And I'll get you have toast with jam on it for breakfast every morning. And he's like, sold. Yep. And I'm real excited to see where this goes. And I hope, like I said, we get more than three chapters of it. Yeah. Well, it's not just the girl that shows up. It's the girl and two other guys. Yeah, but they don't get lines. They say something. Well, I they bounce off her. That's true. But Yeah, because they're like, oh, no, somebody beat us to the punch. Is that, oh, we've got a live one here. And then she mentions it's not quite demon and it's not quite human because they're like, he's not been possessed by this demon, the cute dog demon, which finally spoke to Denji in his death dream thing while he was getting possessed of like, I like you talking about stuff. As opposed to the demon trying to possess him, it's more like helping him along. So I'm I'm really interested to see where that goes. And the girl who is a public safety demon hunter. So she's like works with the government, I guess. Anyway, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes. It was a very good start to what I like what I said was a pretty good issue of Shonen Jump. So next we have One Piece chapter 926, Excavation Labor Camp. So this is Finally, we get to see what happened with Luffy and Kid, as well as what the Straw Hats are doing. It basically starts with a newspaper article that has the resistance symbol in it and a bunch of different people seeing it and kind of reacting differently. There aren't any swords allowed in Wano, similar to Isolationist Japan. Yeah, only the military are allowed weapons, and they've also banned karate and judo, so even combat training is banned. But Usopp is selling weapons, and we also see Nami and the Shinobi, whose name I don't remember, like spying on weapons deals to try to intercept a shipment. Yep. Which is some pretty cool stuff. But the main event is Luffy and Kid in the prison, where it's kind of like The Force Awakens, where you have to like bring stone blocks to the wardens to get fed every day. But Luffy and Kid are the best at prison. Well, you did miss the part. There was Usopp actually slips the symbol into one of the guy's hands. Like you can see him in the background and then the guy's like, what? Who put this here? And so like clearly the Straw Hats are helping spread the symbol. It's not just like in the newspaper. And then there's also Sanji cooking soba noodles (laughs) for all the pretty ladies and Nami getting pissed off. Like you're supposed to be recruiting warriors. What are you doing? But anyway... Kid and Luffy are the best at prison, and they eat all the prison food. Yeah, you get one millet dumpling for every five blocks of stone that you have hauled in a day. And Kid and Luffy get 500 dumplings apiece. So at one point, the they're like loading it onto a ship, and uh, they're loading it so fast they can't get the ships out of there in time. Like they almost topple one of the ships because they've been putting stones on there so quickly. So anyway, they eat a ton of dumplings and argue about who got more. And the vice warden shows up pissed off because he doesn't have all his dumplings to eat because they gave it all to them. He has hippo powers and his hippo mouth eats them, but they're main characters, so they just bust out. 
his hippo mouth is it like grows out of his back and can like engulf his body. He won't obviously die from it. Like his like his front legs like come out the front of the hip. It's very con. It was a little confusing, but it's like the hippo mouth completely encloses him. So when the hippo mouth is open, he can talk. And they mention when it closes, he can't say anything. And the hippo has like thinks on its own. So it doesn't always pay attention to him. Just kind of like the lion from the one guy that I, I can't remember his name because I'm horrible with names. His lion would just do whatever it wanted. Like some of these people with the animal powers got animals almost grafted onto their bodies that are completely separate from them. Yeah, instead of the more Zoan stuff where you yeah, will you turn into them? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually kind of, I think, a weak chapter of One Piece, but it's still pretty good. Uh, I just, like, the ending there didn't really do much for me where Kid and Luffy break out and they're like, hey, that's assault for sure. And they're like, yeah, you have no proof. Which, like, they're in prison, so. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good chapter of One Piece because Caribou, Car- Caribou was in Wano, apparently, because he's in one of those panels, like, just chillaxing with all the other prisoners the guy with the wax powers yeah 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 and then we do see a shot of the still unknown dude in the cage reacting to luffy and kid yeah so we remember he's there even though they haven't told us anything more about him i didn't think it was a bad chapter of one piece it just was not my favorite it was a very stacked issue though yeah was my hero next or i should really write down where it is i think my hero academia was next yeah i think it was any thoughts on that? Who boy, this was a sweet chapter. That's what I hear, and I'm like trying not to read about it, but that's like all I see when I look at manga stuff. It's like, ah, Bakugo's doing the stuff. Yep, yep. This is definitely a really good Bakugo chapter. So if you like Bakugo, you're in. And apparently people do because he keeps winning popularity polls, and I don't get it. I kind of understand it. There's a joke in this chapter that Bakugo has gotten character development. I see. And literally one of the characters is like, what? He's gotten character development because he has. So I can see why he's starting to win more polls now. But like the second poll, which was around issue 100, he was first place. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, look, Bakuya is not bad, but he's like the sixth best My Hero Academia character. Well, that's with our Western perspective. But he won both polls. Oh, they he won a Western and a Japanese one. Okay. Then I'm confused. Anyway, I'm not trying to Bakugo shame anybody. It's just perplexing to me. Yeah, because I like Bakugo as well, but like like you said, he's not my number two. So next we had Food Wars, chapter 290, The True Value of the Noir. If you like chainsaws, this is the issue of Shonen Jump for you. Yes. So they get to the third gate, and the like leader of the blue comes on and is like, ah, oh, you all suck, so I'm changing the challenge. Only the noir are any good. Cul- the culinary world has stagnated. So you, random noir lady, make a thing. So she makes a steak with a chainsaw? Yes. But the chainsaw is like coated in flavor powder? Yeah, So it's- her own special seasoning blend. And so when she attacked the meat with the chainsaw... It, like, creates the seasoning palette in it, as well as this, like, unique look to it. And somebody mentions if she was off even a little bit, it would just become this jumbled mess. So the, like, leader of the blue is like, see, the noir are great. Nobody can pass this gate unless they make something better than that. Also, all the noir get to pass for free. Yeah. And we do see the leader of the blue is like, I've been trying to find the best chefs at basically my own personal expense. But... I have an ulterior motive where I, he's like, I've essentially found that the culinary world has stagnated. I've tasted pretty much everything. 
And so I'm looking for the person to create the next big thing. And he was like, I don't think that'll come from the traditional culinary chefs. So that's why I allowed the noir in. And that's kind of any he, that he's like letting that drive him for all the other challenges, which is why he came up with a, hey, you you know, one of the noir cook some meat for me. He's like, all right, perfect. That that lady's got it. Everyone, in order to pass the gate, you have to make meat better than her. Yeah. So it's just setting up the challenge, but it's a lot cooler than the last ones, I feel. Yeah. So next we have Black Clover and Page at 184. Dream World. Yep. What did you think of this chapter, Kevin? It wasn't one of my favorite out of the book, but I still liked it. I always like characters that really, you know, oh, I've got the power to imagine anything. And then one of the characters is like, oh, so I can put thoughts into your head and make them appear as reality? Perfect. You know, it's that uh, if I tell you to not think about elephants, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I there's just way too many characters in this chapter and maybe this story. But yeah. there are like 10 people in, trapped in this dream world. Yeah. And I know who like one of them is. But it was one of the better chapters of Black Clover I've read so far. Yeah, I again, knowing who everyone is really helps out. The chick that spawns the glasses and is doing all that stuff has been super research oriented. She's like really into magic and really wants to figure stuff out. So that's why she was doing all that science stuff. And I definitely liked the, uh, oh, yeah, if you electrolyze water and then blast it with fire, you will cause the oxygen to explode. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of good stuff in here. It just seems like there's too many talking heads. I can't really tell who's talking and I don't know who they are. It seems like you could have done this like just whisked one or two characters off and given it more time. It also seems like they beat her kind of quickly, though she's not beaten at the end of this, but it seems pretty set up to take her out. Yeah, but maybe they will. Maybe they'll run into some other problems like, haha, we figured out your one weakness and her pulling a Neji and it's like, I know more about my weakness than you could ever possibly. So while I do have that one weakness, I know how to combat it better than you might think I do. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, anything else you want to say about Black Clover? No, this is, like I said, not one of my favorite chapters of this book. This is actually a really hard one to rank. I kind of just went not willy-nilly but i pretty much liked everything out of here so next we have dr stone z equals 85 ultimate resource and dr stone's something we've both been kind of down on so what did you think of this chapter i'm still kind of down on it i actually like this one a lot more than i have lately because we've kind of introduced a new character that has like a conflicting motive to everyone else Which is kind of what I wanted. But at the same time, he doesn't have a conflicting motive because it's, oh, no, it's another dude who wants to rule the world. And is just immediately on board with Senku and is like, everyone, oh, yeah, he wants to rule the world. Well, that's that's cool, I guess. And nobody like there wasn't any more tension besides that. He's like, I want to rule the world. So I'm going to help you guys out because I feel like it, I guess. That's true, but at least he seems to have like an almost sinister motive. Maybe I just haven't seen this as much in Dr. Stone, if it's as common as you say, but... Well, that was what, that's basically exactly what Tsukasa did. That's kind of how Magma is. He doesn't have as much of a sinister motive, but like a lot of the antagonists are like, yeah, I want to rule the world. Okay, here's another one. Fair enough, but he's the first one who have, I've seen like from his origin, basically. Yeah. So, like I said, it's not my favorite story here, but it was a big upturn for me. I'm curious to see where we're going now, finally. 
It was Bas- definitely better than the last couple of chapters. Basically, they need a ship captain. The best one around is this like kind of rich jerk who is a prodigal son of this maritime company. Well, first, it's Senku gets the reporter chick, and she's like, oh, there's this maritime school. We should go there and get one of the teachers there. And then uh, she mentions that there's this the prodigal son, but he's got a bit of a personality problem, but his skills are on part, you know, really good because he's been he's liked boats since forever. And Senku's like, charisma is the best dump stat. I want to min-max my captain. Yes. Well, so they're, the group that's with him is deciding which one they should resurrect while Senku is unstoppering the bottle of the revival fluid and reviving the dude. Uh, and they're like, you didn't even think about it. He's like, nope, skill is way more important. Like you said, charisma is the perfect dump stat. Yeah, and he's like, ha-ha, I'll pay you all. Oh, wait, money has no meaning anymore. Also, my butler isn't here, so I can't do that. <laughs> I guess I will just have to captain a ship for you, but we should go find some oil first. Yeah. He also has the, oh, my captain senses are never wrong. He's <laughs> like, which, you know, we're fine when he was like figuring out the rain or like looking at the wood and being like, ah, this this kind of wood isn't going to be able to sail the Pacific. But his, oh, my captain senses are never wrong. The world has ended, hasn't it? What? How? <laughs> that's not how that works. No, he's a very good captain. I guess. He was like, how many potential crew are in the world? Oh, not that many. Yeah, I guess. Like I said, I like this one a lot more than I have lately. So I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. It could definitely go right off a hill again. But yeah, I'm excited for Dr. Stone for the first time in a while. Which brings us to something I'm always excited for. We never learn question 90. Sometimes a genius engages in nonsense X by the water. Yep. So this is... A none a kind of one-off story like we never learn usually engages in, which starts with Yukia and Fumino explaining to the other people in the study group what just happened to them yep. in that big story, which makes Erika kind of jealous, but she tries to hide it. But then yep. it turns out the swim team has like been eavesdropping on her the entire series. Yeah, we did see when she finally found out that she was going overseas, the her like couple of swim team partners were listening in when she got called into the principal's office. So they've known about the overseas thing for a while. So they're like, Hey, if you're the boy, you have a crush on gets a super cute girlfriend, you'll be super jealous. So we have to help you right now before that happens. Yep. And they come up with this crazy plan to fake Erica drowning in the pool. So Yu-Gi-Oh will have to save her. Yes. Which backfires because she's too bad at pretending to drown and he ends up drowning. Yep. Well, then it backfired, but then it almost turned around where she was going to have to give him mouth to mouth. But then he stirred awake right as she was about to do it. So she leaned quickly backwards and he has the very funny thought of, oh, so you're stretching? Wow, you're flexible. Yeah. And so she, Yugiya keeps flashing back to Fumino telling him about the crush being a lie and him not understanding what's up with that. And she, like, just makes it worse. But then at the end, she kisses him really quick. And she's like, oh, that's a normal greeting where I'm going. I'm just practicing. Uh-huh. I'm going overseas. And that's the, the cliffhanger there. Yeah. So it's pretty good. We Never Learned is always pretty good, though. Yeah. So that brings us to the last chapter. And this is a very short Shonen Jump. So it's going to be a pretty short segment of the podcast, especially since we have no Hunter Hunter to talk about yep. anymore and how confusing that is, which is the Promised Neverland chapter 114, one at a time. So basically they are continuing to head towards the Jaws of the Lion, 
but there are 50 of them, so they're not a very maneuverable group. They have kids that are slowing them down, and they need to find a ton of food, but yep. not take too much so they'll be found. Yeah. Well, that's a typical gathering thing. You don't want to gather like all the herbs, or all the mushrooms from a single spot, because then they won't grow back in those spots. So even though they mention it so, th- so that the demons won't realize what have been found, that's actually what you want to do if you're planning on surviving for a long period of time is don't gather all of the mushrooms in a single spot or all of the herbs, because then that spot will no longer grow anymore. Although they're not planning on coming back here, so... No, but at the same time, that's exactly how, like, regular animals would deal with that, so it does leave a trail if it's like, huh, there's this patch of all of these mushrooms being gone. That's weird. Yeah. So, anyway, a bunch of the kids... The young, I guess, are they like middle-aged kids in this group? I'm not really familiar I with. I think they're the younger kid because they're really short. So I think they're like the young, not the, actually, they probably are the youngest of the group. Kind of show that they've been, in the year that Emma and Ray and the others were gone looking for, I forget what the name of the, they were looking for the temple, I think, something like that. They were looking for something from the message. Well, they were all gone. They had been hanging out with Hugo and Lucas and learning a bunch of survival tricks. So they actually know more about surviving as a group than Emma and Ray do. So Emma kind of feels very silly for thinking that all of these kids were a burden when really they're more of an asset. Yeah, and they follow a bunch of monkeys to a bunch of foods, and they're able to make stew. And Emma and Ray have kind of a heart-to-heart about the stress they've been going through. Yep. Which I actually really liked. It was a cool character moment, and I like both Emma and Ray a lot. Yeah. Uh, So then the episode ends on a cliffhanger of them kind of getting to the desert and stumbling about two humans that are being attacked by demons. Yep. And they're kind of more surprised that there are more humans hanging about. Like, it's it's very weird in this world for there to be random humans out in the middle of nowhere. And there are three pretty big, like, snake kind of demons. Yeah, they seem... menacing them and surrounding them. Yeah, they, they are the, to put it, the dumb demons... So there's the more intelligent ones, and then there are the ones that are kind of just more like beasts, and it seems to be the beasts are the ones that are messing with them, because the, if they were in the intelligent ones, they'd prob- the two humans would probably already be dead. Yeah. They're a lot more dangerous because they're smarter. Yeah. Pretty good promise, Neverland. Uh, yeah. Not my favorite chapter in here, but the stuff between Emma and Ray really saved it for me. Yeah. For me, it was the the little kids... Like, it was like Emma being like, oh, no, we're burdened by these 55 people. And then the little kids being like, oh, no, we know all this stuff about surviving as a group. We probably know more than you do because we've been hanging out with Hugo and Lucas for a year. Like we're And Emma realizing I've been treating them like burdens, so that's why they feel like that to me. So if I start treating them like assets or my family, they'll probably feel that too. And it kind of like that relieved a lot of her stress because they've been running from demons and because of the owl camera that had been following them, any kind of motion was keeping them freaked out. So they were just on constant high paranoia. All right. Anything else to say about this issue of Shonen Jump? Again, it was a pretty short one, but also almost every story was good. Yeah, I liked I liked everything. All right. So we'll talk about how much we liked it in our next segment, Jump Card.
Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters in Shonen Jump from our least favorite up to our favorite. Do you want to start, Kevin? Again, I liked almost everything in this one. Sure. So my least favorite is going to be Dr. Stone. It's kind of almost writing the bad will of the last couple of chapters. This one was definitely better than that, but it just, it this wasn't the thing for me. Like I said, I kind of, oh, we've revived another person who's extremely capable in his field and wants to take over the world. Surprise. It just, that kind of, oh, it's this thing again. That That's what really kind of killed it for me. So my number seven is Black Clover. This is probably one of my favorite chapters of Black Clover I've read so far, other than the stuff with Noel, which I thought worked really well. Yeah. But it's still, like I said, there are just too many characters, and there's kind of too much. It's too noisy for me, and I still don't like the art. Yeah. So my number six was Chainsaw Man. Even though I did really like this chapter, that fight scene art just really kind of because it seemed like it was going to be something that's really going to be focused on the fight scenes and if they're all as muddy as that i'm not going to enjoy them as much now i realize this fight scene was taking place in like the middle of a dark warehouse with a ton of zombies so it almost seemed like i want to say 60 percent of the page was black or something like that like it was crazy amount of the the amount of black in that, especially that one panel that super confused me. So that's really why it kind of drove me down, even though the premise did really seem cool. The characters seemed cool. I liked the little chainsaw dog demon thing. So I am interested to see where this goes, but I really hope that for whatever reason, if it was just that battle that the art is going to be super confusing to follow, or if it's going to be everything's like that, it might just jump down my list. Uh, so my number six is actually One Piece, because One Piece is always good, and this was good, but it wasn't anything special. So like that's a barometer for kind of how much I like this issue of Shonen Jump. Yeah. Pretty much anything I really like, I put above One Piece, so I put One Piece pretty low, and I quite enjoyed this chapter of One Piece. So my number five was Black Clover. Not one of my favorite chapters of Black Clover, but I did really like the... I was like when people fight against, oh, I can manipulate reality however I want just by thinking about it. And then the character going, oh, so that I can just make you think of things and they'll pop into existence. Awesome. So my number five is The Promised Neverland because the cliffhanger is pretty good. And I really like the bit between Ray and Emma. But a bunch of stuff about the little kids running around just kind of seemed not fillery because it's important to the story. But it was like a problem is introduced and immediately solved. Yeah. And that didn't do a ton for me, but I did really like the character stuff. So, yep. So my number four was the promised Neverland. I did really like the character stuff in that. And I did really like the bit of them showing the little kids have a purpose other than they're not just like waddling around following the others. So my number four was Dr. Stone kind of the reverse of you because it's been so weak lately. This chapter being one of the better ones, I think really catapulted it up for me. Gotcha. Because I'm actually excited to see like the tension between Senku and the captain that's just been revived, whose name I wrote down, and it is Ryusei. Yep. So hopefully that like is a good tension. It's not outright antagonistic, but it at least creates some tension. Like Ryusei seems like an intellectual equal to Sukasa. Yeah, but the the feeling I got from the two of them was that they just immediately started working as a team. All of a sudden, like even with there's at one point Ryusei is like anticipating Senku's ideas, even after bearing, barely knowing him like, oh, so you knew this wood wouldn't make it through the Pacific. So we're going to get 
alternate power source. And he's like, well, it can't be coal. Of course it can't be coal. They couldn't carry enough coal to fuel the ship, so we've got to go find oil. My number three was One Piece. I like this chapter a bit more than you. I think a lot of it was actually just seeing Caribou in Wano. That just kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, what? What is he doing there? I mean, yeah, that was cool, but also we just saw Perona and Gecko Moria, so not in Wano, so yeah. they're not going to have as much influence on the story, but I got a lot of that last week. Yeah, and I I liked it too last week. It was just the, at first I didn't recognize, I was like, wait a minute, that's that's that guy. What is, what is he doing in Wano? And so I was, I'm expecting him to do something in the story, hopefully, rather than just kind of, oh yeah, look, he's also there, I guess. So my number three is Food Wars. Uh, I only ranked so low because it is kind of a setup chapter for what's coming, but Chainsaw Seasoning Knife is pretty rad. So I liked that. And it like creates an actual tension and kind of antagonistic dynamic, which is cool. Yep. So my number two was Food Wars. Really good chapter. Like you said, this is the Shona Jump issue for Chainsaw Enthusiasts. I really like that clearly this chick who's like, really good at making meats was the one who stepped up to the challenge even though it was just like oh yeah you guys do whatever you want make me some dish and she's like i'll do it but yeah it's i'm excited to see what happens i do think it's funny that we kind of just glossed over that todoroki and aldini made it through the gate they're just on the other side it's like yeah i i could totally see him just not even bringing that up of like yeah they made it but i i honestly don't know how they made a dish. It was fine. It was worth money. <laughs> it was worth mo- it was worth more than a hundred dollars. They, and, they and, succeeded. And the judge from last challenge is sticking around. So yeah, I'm happy to see her. My number two is Chainsaw Man because while I agree with you about the fight scene not being great, I really like the art as far as character designs go. Mm-hmm. Both the demons and like the little chainsaw dog. Yeah, and Ichigo's a good character design. I can't take that away from it. Yeah, although we did lose a bit of it where when he first started off, he had the eye patch because he had sold his one of his eyes, one of his kidneys, one of his nuts to like help pay off his debt. And then that immediately got erased when he got turned into the chainsaw demon hybrid thing because we see he has his eye back. So that's a slightly disappointing that because like I liked the eye patch on him. And I just thought, like, his problems were really relatable, his goals are really relatable, and they're really simple. Yeah, the so I'm, I'm dealing with crushing debt yeah. uh, speaks to me, unfortunately. So I'm real excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah. So my number one was We Never Learn. This what was, a coincidence. So was mine. This was a really good chapter. I liked all the stuff with Uraraka and her kissing Yugia and then dropping the bomb that she's going overseas. And I'm really interested to see where this goes. All right. So we will have to wait till next week. We've also got my secret first place, which oh. is my hero academia. Cause man, this was such a good chapter. Bakugo's great. And like I said, the fourth wall breaking of one of the characters mentioning that Bakugo literally got character development was so good. I heard he worked as a team. Yes. There's a lot of good stuff in this chapter. All right. So we'll have to wait till next week to see more We Never Learn and My Hero Academia, which one day I will get to read. Yeah. But you only have to wait a few minutes if you want to hear us talk about Parasite by Hitoshi Iwaki. So that will be right after the break. 
All right, we are back, and we read Parasite, Volume 1, by Hitoshi Iwaki. This was your suggestion, Kevin. Yeah. I think everything this month is your suggestion, actually. No, there's one thing that's mine. Yes, because my other suggestion didn't work out. Yeah, so one of the main reasons I suggested this was I happened to own Volume 1 already, because I subscribed to Loot Crate, and so I had gotten Parasite Volume 1 as part of my Loot Crate box, or one of my boxes. And is that it? Did you watch the anime at all? I'm pretty sure it's got a recent anime adaptation, even though it's a pretty old manga. It did get a recent anime adaptation. I haven't seen it. I remember I was like going to watch it and then didn't for some reason. And I think it's still on my list somewhere. Actually, I know it's still on my Crunchyroll queue, which is like 80 things at this point. Because I leave stuff in my queue if they ever like come back for other seasons. So at some point, I do plan on watching this. And now that I've read the first volume, I might try going back and if I have free time doing it then. Yeah, I had a hard time opening Parasite up to get into it. But once I actually did, I really liked it. Yeah. So it starts out with a narrator basically just talking about how overpopulation is a problem. Yeah. And some humans might in the near future try to do something about it. Yep. And so then it cuts to a bunch of spores falling on the planet i think they're spores yeah they look like dandelions almost yeah and then the seeds or pods of the dandelions pop off and become these like worm things and we see one with a dog we see one going to this married man next to his wife yeah it, like crawls into his ear and he's screaming for a moment but then his wife says, hey, what's wrong he's like oh it was just a bad dream yep and then we see one enter Shinichi's room, who is the main character. Yep. And he wakes up, sees it. He's like, oh, shit, a snake. Well, he's got headphones in at the time. So it, it was like going to try and crawl into his ear, but he had headphones in, so it couldn't. So it was looking for another way into his head. And that's when he notices it. And so he ends up, he's like trying to swat it with a newspaper or something like that. And it gets into his arm, it like goes in through his hand, I think, when he grabs it. And so then starts like crawling up his hand. So he get he essentially makes a tourniquet for his arm to keep it locked in his arm because it's like, oh, it's trying to go deeper. And he calls out for his parents and they come in and like, what's wrong? He was like, there was like a some some snake in my room and it like crawled into my arm. And like, look, it left this huge hole and there's nothing wrong with his hand. And his parents are like, what are you talking about? And his mom takes off the tourniquet. Yeah. But nothing seems to happen. So he goes to bed. Yep. I'm trying to remember what happens next exactly. He wakes up. I'm trying to remember if anything weird happens right when he wakes up or if it's not till later. I think he he starts hearing voices, but like he thinks it's his voice or like he's like imagining it, something like that. He's so we know something's off, but we don't see immediately what. Yeah. So he wakes up the next day. He his parents kind of make fun of him for having a bad dream. Yep. And he heads off to school. Meanwhile, we see the kind of married man, and he's like talking with his wife, and his head opens up yep. and eats her. Yes, very Stranger Things style. Yes. So he's at school, but he like is kind of not paying attention. Yeah, he's very distracted by what's going on. So his teacher does that Japanese school thing that I guess is just okay, where he throws a piece of chalk at him. I've had teachers throw like pens and stuff at people, but... 
like uh, his teacher is like, I'm an expert at darts and like whips the thing at his head rather than like lightly throwing it at the person to get their attention. Well, that's also a thing in Persona 5 is if you get a question wrong or at certain times when you're getting texts from your group, your teacher will throw chalk at you. And if your agility stat is high enough, you will dodge it and you will gain admiration from the class. That makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, his right hand just catches it without him. He's like, yeah, without thinking. him seeming to like he's not even paying attention. Like he's not even looking at it. The right hand just stops it and breaks it and it crumbles to dust. And even the teacher is like, "How did he do that? Is he messing with me?" Yeah. So anyway, he's like, "Oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to go home." Yep. But on the train, he gets accosted by some guys and kind of thrown out yep. and cornered, but his hand just beats the crap out of them. Yeah, and like, he's super concerned about that. It's like anime style. It's just like bouncing all over the place. Yeah, it like stretches out like crazy. Um, like sentient Luffy style. Yes, very similar to like a Luffy. Although I don't think the art's quite as good. No. I should mention, I don't really like horror manga style art. There's something about the realism they use in it. It's not even like the berserk style of realism. It's not realistic, but like everyone has kind of big foreheads. And it's just not a look I like. Yeah, although I think in this one, the regular people are still kind of, not cartoony, but very simplistically drawn. It's the parasites that are drawn a lot more realistically. Like, like I feel like even Shinichi, just like his design doesn't do anything for me. I gotcha. We'll probably talk about that more in the near future. But a lot of the character designs, like, and this is just a style of art I don't like. I've seen it in a lot of horror manga. Yeah. It's just like the horror manga shorthand stuff doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I don't find it that bad. It's not like terrible. It's just definitely not my thing. Gotcha. Give me the big eyes and small mouth any day. Yeah. So anyway, he's going home and it starts to talk to him. It's like, hey, I ate your right hand. Yep. And he's like, I ate your right hand. I was trying to eat your brain, but you, I matured before I could. So now I'm stuck in your right hand. And I can survive by feeding off your circulatory system. Yeah. So, like, I take some of your blood to survive. And he's like, I'm going to protect you because if you die, I die. So I'm going to make sure that you live so that I continue to live. Yeah. And he's like, hey, when I sleep, I can just be a regular hand. I can give you control. Yeah, because he realized when the parasite was awake, he had no control over his right hand because it wasn't his anymore. Yeah, and it can like grow eyes, it can stretch, it reads, and that's how it like starts to learn yeah. Japanese. Yeah, it like makes itself a weird body at the end of his arm and like goes around the room in this weird, you know, it leaves this like stretchy trail behind it, and it's got like a pencil as it's making notes as it's learning about stuff. Oh, so when it first starts talking to him, it's like, I don't know enough words. Oh, it doesn't say that. It says like not enough words, need more, something like that. Like you know, it's a two-year-old learning to speak, or not maybe maybe like a four-year-old learning to speak, like the vocabulary isn't great. So it's like, he's like, hey, I need a name for you because like I can't keep calling you it. And he's like, well, I'm not a pet and I'm not a human, but how about Migi, which is Japanese for right, because he ate his right hand. Yep. So that's what they pretty much settle on. So they're just walking around. I think he's heading to school or he's like out like from his parents. I think it's, like, after school, and he's, like, walking through, like, to a market or something like that. Like, he's just walking around. And he's like, wait, I sense my kind. Like, I've never done this before, but I know that's what it is. Yeah, he's like, I can sense their brainwaves. He's like, and I want to check it out. 
So they go around the corner and they find the dog from earlier that's been infested. Yep. And he's like, hey, we both failed. You didn't get the brain and I got the wrong animal. Yep. And they're chalked for a minute, but then Migi like starts running away and like forcing Shinichi to. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, we need to run. He's like, it's going to attack us because it's scared that you're human and could like rat us out. Yep. And then it grows giant bat wings through its dog ears and becomes a bat dog. Yes. And like, I don't like the art style, but it's pretty rad. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things I like is the morphs that the parasites do to the bodies that they're inhabiting, like the married dude who eats his wife by having his head like split open and it like splits into six pieces that all have like teeth in them and eats her. The cool bat dog is cool. There's a bunch of other cool things that the parasites can do. That is, I think, really neat. So Shinichi uses his new right hand to gomo gomo no rocket the yep. dog to death, basically. Yeah, and Migi explains because it used so much of itself to grow wings, he was able to take it out quite easily. He mentions he also has the ability to modify his own shape. So he makes like razor claws and just launches himself at the thing and kills it. Yeah, so the next chapter is not exactly stock, but it's very similar where they meet a dude. But this time it's actually a guy. Yep. Who's like a successful like takeover. Yep. And he tells Migi, hey, like I can cut off my hand and you can join me and then we'll be more powerful. And then at least you'll be like serving our cause. Yeah. He like cuts off his entire right arm. Yeah, but Migi isn't sure if it will work or not, so he attacks instead. Yeah, although he doesn't voice that until afterwards when is it Shinichi? Yeah. Is talking to him about it. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention, I think before this, we've had mention of the mincemeat murders. Oh, yeah. Like, on the news, they're talking about how, like, people are just showing up all grounded up. And yeah. Shinichi pretty much figures out it's, like, the parasites attacking people and eating them and yep. what's left. But, like, at first they think it's, like, a serial killer, but then, like, it's happening all over the world. Yes. Yeah, so now they're thinking it's, like, some weird demonic cult thing of, like, oh, they're it's, like, essentially a cult of serial killers performing these mincemeat murders. So he manages to kill the other parasite, and Shinichi is very conflicted about it because this one was human. He was kind of conflicted about killing the dog, but it was like a stray dog, so he wasn't too torn up about it. But this is where we see that there's Migi doesn't see morality yet. He like, I'm the only thing that matters. The only reason I'm keeping you alive is if you die, I die. And the reason that I didn't go with that other parasite and become his right his right arm was I didn't know that I could, and I didn't want to die on the off chance that it didn't work. So chapter four is kind of a like weak chapter story-wise. It's very cool thematically. It's about this lion that escapes from the zoo, basically. Yes. And is terrorizing people for a while, but like one of the parasites finds him, and it's not scared of him and just kills him. Well, the lion finds one of the parasites just walking well, yeah. around. It's the married guy that he ends up finding. And so we see a lot of the lion's internal monologue of like, even though I've been born into captivity, I know like I'm king of the jungle right now. And so when he comes across the parasite, he's like, oh, here's one of these humans that isn't afraid of me. Well, he doesn't have any weapons, so I'm going to take him out, even though my instincts are screaming at me that this thing is dangerous. And this is where we see one of those cool scenes of the guy's face hinges into like six appendages that like snake around and slice the lion into pieces, which was just really cool looking. And 
the passerby they mentioned like none of them could understand what was happening so they invented the story of he must have thrown an explosive device at the lion like he doesn't have anything there's no way a regular human could basically cause that lion to explode yeah it's a very cool chapter but also in the like scheme of the story it doesn't really do much no but it was definitely a cool setup of and i think a lot of parasite uh, talks about it's not just the the horror of the monsters it's a lot of the thinking of like why do these things exist you've got the miki's questions on morality you've got shinichi trying to like argue why people should live and miki just being like well i mean why what well, like why should i care about other people we should only care about you and me yeah i well, if i was going to criticize parasite it would be that i don't really think it has a point of view in some ways is just like a guy getting high and asking questions about the universe which isn't a bad thing because it's like asking questions and then you can ruminate on them yeah but i don't really think it has a point of view other than a kind of nihilistic humans aren't great one yeah but maybe it'll develop a bit more of one this could just be kind of a is it the Socratic method? Yeah, Socratic. Yeah. It's very Socratic. And the, like I do appreciate that it's asking these questions, but the fact that it doesn't really seem to have a viewpoint kind of bothers me. Yeah. It's not a like huge, like, oh, it's taking away from my enjoyment. But it's like, yeah, you're asking these big questions, but that's all you're doing. You're not really providing answers. And it's definitely, we read it kind of as a horror manga, but it's interested in its sci-fi stuff. Yeah. But I feel like taking this too seriously is like some of the, in this volume, you have like letters from people that are like, oh, I could see this really happening. I'm like, you could? No. I got that. Again, this was also, what, printed initially in like the 80s? Late 80s. Yeah, so late 80s. So take that for this is one of the older manga, so we have that going for it. But I do think there were hints of it starting to generate its own viewpoint towards the end there. So maybe later on we'll kind of have more of a viewpoint rather than just asking the questions of what would happen in this situation. But we're only halfway through this volume, so let's yeah. let's move along. But like that's my big critique of this. I got what, one, I don't like the art style, but that's a style thing. Uh, but the other one is that, like I said, I don't really think it has any answers to the questions it's asking. So you. the rest of it is pretty much one story arc. He goes to school one day, and there's a like parasite there, and Miggy's like, "Hey, there's someone here." Yeah, but they're in the middle of like uh, a school sc- assembly. School assembly, and so he's trying to figure out who it is, and it's like, "All right, well, it's not one of the students, so it's got to be somebody like part of the faculty." And then Miggy's like, "Oh, it might be one of the teachers up there. You need to absolutely make sure you don't make eye contact or it'll recognize us. And they're like, hey, we have a new teacher here. And Sunichi makes eye contact. Yep. And it immediately recognizes him. Like, And this, vice versa. Yeah. There's this really cool, like, I really like the effect of it showing her, like, her gaze locking on him and his gaze lock. Well, I mean, his gaze was locked on her, but, like, her singling him out among all the students. You. You're the one. Yeah. So her name is Tamiya Ryoko. She is the homeroom teacher of a girl named Murano, who's shown up before. She is basically Shinichi's crush slash love interest. Who's also interested in him, kind of, but he's dealing with some stuff right now. So he's not as, like, he seems very cold and distant to her because 
she keeps trying to talk to him about things and he's like, I killed a guy earlier. You know, I'm infected by an alien parasite. There, there's a lot more on my mind than I kind of like this girl. But she's her homeroom teacher. So he's like really wary about having her as a parasite. But Miki's like, hey, no one in the school has turned up dead. It seems like she's smart enough to not want to draw attention to herself. Yeah, because she has actually assimilated the personality of the person that the parasite ate. So clearly she has realized that it will be better to not attack people that personally know her so that her cover doesn't get blown, essentially. So she invites him out to coffee, basically, so they can exchange information. Well, they they are in the same classroom. Like, there's a bit where she calls on him and he he's like, oh, no, what are you going to do? And she's like, can you answer the next problem, please? I think she initially invites him to talk to her after class. Yeah, but she's like, wait, we can't talk here. Let's go get coffee. Yep. So they go get coffee, and she introduces him to another parasite named A. Yep, who is the, the married guy, I think. Like, I, I think that I think he's a different guy. I might be wrong. I thought it was the same guy. They I, read as different people to me, but to, I'm I terrible was, with faces. Yeah, I thought it was the same guy as the one with the lion as well. Like, they, they were all the same dude now maybe that was just because i was assuming they were trying to set it up that way but i at least think it was the guy who attacked the lion anyway ryoko just like kind of wants to figure out what's going on with them yes. and experiment and to that end she's had a impregnate her yes and she's like hey the baby is perfectly human he's just like a normal human being and that's weird but a's like i'm bored with this i'm gonna leave they don't specifically know that it's a perfectly human being but they're like so we lack reproductive systems as the parasites do. So there's no way we could reproduce. So the baby has to be human. And like you said, A decides to leave while the waitress is like, these people are talking some crazy stuff. And this is another thing. Like I said, this series asks a lot of questions, but doesn't really seem to have a viewpoint on them. Yeah. Like, the, oh, what if two parasites had a baby and it was normal? That's an interesting idea. But it doesn't really do anything with it. Yeah. So anyway, A decides that Shinichi knows too much and decides he's going to kill him. Yes. And basically just shows up at the school and starts punching people. Yep. And he starts punching people and he like punches one guy and then like breaks his wrist. And he's like, human bodies are too weak. Like the human part of my body is too weak. He's like, fists are not a good weapon. Yes. So then he, I don't think he attacks anybody well he kills a teacher so okay but the school starts evacuating and me like yeah i came up with a great plan we'll just stay in the back it'll be hard for him to, to tell who's us and then while he's killing people we'll just uh sneak attack him yeah it's a great plan uh he's like yeah we'll use these meat shields that are your classmates to help us live and shinichi immediately runs away because he's like no we're not using my classmates as meat shields and he's like well now i have to come up with a new plan yeah well, and, at first he's really upset. He's like, why? My plan was flawless. No, don't worry. We'll be safe. We'll be hidden in the meat shields. I I don't know why you're concerned. Yeah, so he's like, all right, I guess new plan. I will defend you. He thinks humans are worthless, so we'll make you a shiv out of this desk leg. Yes. You'll get up to him and stab him. Yeah, well, he's like, I will pretend to be attacking him, but I'll be focusing mainly on defense. We'll have you sneak up and stab him with this shiv shank, shank him with the shiv yeah no shiv him with the shank no shiv is the thing shank yes, is the that's verb. right i feel like shiv can also be a verb though now yeah but that's a lot of 
our language, especially people, if you get it wrong enough, it just gets turned into a word. Well, uh, that's been true forever. Yeah, but that's I just, how we got flammable and inflammable, meaning the same thing. Anyway, the plan works because A is contempt for humans. Like, there's a super fast, like, sword duel going on, anime style, between the two parasites, and Shinichi just, like, slowly walks up. Wait, he, he's like, the two parasites move so fast, I can't even keep track of their movements. So he's like, I need to remain calm, like, I'm being controlled by Migi. So I'll remain calm and just keep waddling forward, like, he's inching me forward, like, I'm not moving of my own volition. And does manage to stab A in the heart, it looks like with the shiv and then blood starts spurting out of the pipe because it was like an empty desk leg and even a is like oh i thought the human part of you was completely useless but it turns out i was wrong yeah so he like runs to ryoko and is like hey we can totally merge and it's not clear if she does or not because there's an explosion and then yeah well he also has the thing of he's like oh no i happen to be dying and so he pushes the shiv like pushes it through his back to help staunch the bleeding. But he still dies. Yeah. So it's not clear if he like managed to get to Ryoko or if she accepted it. Or if she killed him to hide her own identity or what was going on with that, but something happened. Yeah, and so anyway, Ryoko comes up to Shinichi. He's like, hey, I'm out. I'm going to change the way my face looks and go do something else because this ain't working. I'm done pretending to be this person. Yeah. But when she goes back to her apartment, her like Ryoko's mother is there. Yeah. And like instantly realizes it's not her. Yeah, it's kind of the I looked into her eyes and saw they were dead. She's like, My facial expressions and voice aren't that much different. How did she instantly recognize that I wasn't her daughter? But so anyway, she kills her and is like, time to cover this up. Yep. And so we find out that the mincemeat murders kind of go away, but missing persons cases spike. Yeah, because the parasites have learned that they draw less attention if they don't leave any remains. Like initially they had just been like, the married guy at the start just, like, eats his wife's head and then leaves. Like, that's all he does. He just does the one thing. And so, clearly, the parasites learned, hey, if we don't leave a body, they don't freak out as much. So, the last chapter is basically Shinichi's parents are like, hey, we're going to go on vacation. He's like, no, don't. It's a terrible idea because he doesn't want them to be eaten by parasites. Yep. But then Miki's like, no, they'll be together and in, like, unurban areas. So, actually, there's a very good chance they'll be fine. Yeah, he's like, they're actually in danger a lot more here because they're in the middle of, uh, you know, they're in this big city where this is probably where the parasites are tending to congregate. So he's like, yeah, hey, that's fine. You can go. But his mother freaks out and like she's steadily been thinking he's like becoming a different person. His dad's like, it's called puberty. It happens. Yeah, there's a great bit of she was like, ah, oh, Shinji yelled at me when I tried to go into his room. And I was like, well, did you catch him masturbating? Which was funny because she caught him with Migi in his like weird human puppet form. So he was like trying to hide that from her, but it clearly looked like he was doing something else. Yeah. So anyway, she starts freaking out about how he's not really her son, which is parallels the mother thing earlier, even though yep. his brain hasn't been taken over. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I had to, the author's notes really helped this out, but the dad saying, will she ever get over being spoiled? talking about the fact that she doesn't tend to understand that like he's a teenager he's going to change most people do it's not just physical changes there's emotional changes he's not going to be the little kid forever and he was like i was surprised that he didn't get rebellious in middle school like most kids did so i like the dad's like i've been expecting this for a while and he it's not going bad you know he's not turning into a delinquent so we don't need to worry about it yeah so that's pretty much where the volume ends. 
there is, I forget exactly where this happens, but there is a great bit where Shinichi wakes up and his right arm is entirely gone. Like, yeah. He's just got a hanging thing and Migi is like hanging out by the bed and he jumps back onto his arm and he's like, I was doing an experiment and it turns out I can be away from your body for about three minutes without dying. Yeah. Which might become important later, but doesn't really end this volume. No, but it's clearly a hint that's like, oh, hey, we can actually separate from one another and that something is probably going to happen with that. So what were your overall impressions of Parasite, Kevin? I kind of liked it. I definitely liked, since all the successful Parasites are in the head, a lot of the cool transformations like they had. uh, The the Bat Dog is rad. The Bat Dog is rad. The female teacher, because I just can't get names. She like turns her hair into blades. And at one point, she's looking at Shinichi and she's decided she's going to kill him. When she decides she's done pretending to be this teacher, she's like, there's no reason for me to keep you alive anymore because I don't need to keep my cover. And then she looks into his eyes and is like, there's actually a little bit of something there. And I think it's, there's like something of the parasite leaking into him. And she sees that. Yeah. But like her head is starting to like separate into appendages and her hair is starting to turn into these metal blades. And I just, I really like the look of that. Yeah. A lot of the body horror stuff is very good in here. Yeah. I just don't like the human design of the characters. Yeah. To me, the way that reads is that they're very, they almost fade into the background, kind of like they're supposed to. Like it's really about the body horror and what they're talking about. So I almost remember the characters more as their speech bubbles and like their actual character as opposed to their physical appearance. Like he seems to be a generic everyman that just kind of blends into the background. All right, so that seems like a pretty good segue into personality power level. Yeah, let's do it. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from the ones we like the most to the ones we like the least. At the top of the list right now, we have Izuki Midoriya from My Hero Academia. At the bottom, at number nine, we have Haruhi Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. And in the middle, we have Kei Saranuma from Kiss Him, Not Me. So... Honestly, uh, you just seem to give a pretty good praise to the character work in Parasite, but I don't think much of Shinichi personally. Well, and I wasn't trying to say that I really like his character. Like him as a person, I don't like, but what I meant was for the his style of artwork, his personality popped out more than his actual physical appearance. Like I, I almost can't remember what he looks like, even staring at the cover of this manga that's sitting right in front of me. <laughs> I remember, I almost remember his personality more. Not that I particularly like his personality. Not that I don't like it either. But it's his personality that sticks out to me, not his physical appearance. So we have a pretty top-heavy list right now, I feel. Yes. So I want to start with Goku, who's at number seven, because I don't think Shinichi is as good as Goku. I don't either. He seems a little weird. I do. He seems to give up kind of almost too easily. So right below Goku, we have Ichigo from Bleach. And again, uh, Ichigo, our problem with him is largely he's kind of boring and he doesn't have a lot of personality traits. Yeah. Shinichi is pretty similar, but Ichigo has a much better look, I feel like. Yeah. So I would be tempted to put him below Ichigo as well. Yeah, because even though Ichigo is kind of boring, I do kind of feel that Shinichi just, like I said, he just kind of tends to fold very easily. Now, maybe that'll change and he'll grow into more of a I want to say more of a better character but for right now yeah I could see him dropping below Ichigo so how do we think he compares to the bottom of the list Haruhi Fujioka he's just kind of nothing 
I he has personality, so I think he's better than Haruhi, who's literally empty. I agree. So Shinichi will go at the new number nine above Haruhi Fujioka and below Ichigo's Kurosaki. All right. All right. That about does it for this episode, then. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? So next week, we are going to read your pick for the month, which is All You Need Is Kill, which I will forever remember as the Japanese version of Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah, it's based on a light novel. So okay. it's the first manga I believe we're reading based on a light novel. I know it's the first manga we're reading that was adapted into a Tom Cruise movie. Yes. I'm trying to think. I think you're right. I think all of the manga that we've read so far, they might have had light novel adaptations or anime adaptations, but they haven't been based off of a light novel first. Yes. So that will be a new interesting experience. Yeah. So if you like this episode or you have other manga you'd like to suggest to us, you can check it out our other episodes at www.lastpodcast.com. That's also where you can leave comments or find our Discord server if you want to talk with us, as well as the personality power level list. That's also where you find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, which is going to be on hiatus this week because I had a sore throat and Thanksgiving happened and I went to my brother and my brother and me because I decided to watch a podcast better than ours instead of recording my own. How dare you? It's I am a jerk. As well as It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast. Uh, if you want to help out the podcast out, please give us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, or just tell a friend if you have a friend who likes manga or who's thinking about picking up Shonen Jump. That helps us out a lot. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emerit. And other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our cover art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Please check her out if you need a commission, especially something Sailor Moon related or any anime, really. She's very good. Anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right. We will see you next week for some Tom Cruise jokes. Yeah. content theme song it's bonus content for listening through the ending theme hey i'm jeremy again you and i just Kev- heard me introduce myself and i'm kevin again this actually would really work for next week's manga where we're going for the second try but here we go <laughs> we forgot to talk about something that's in the back of kevin's edition of parasite because it's not in mine so i hadn't thought about it even though i read it right before we recorded so we could talk about it yep so kevin take it away so I guess this was what made my version the Loot Crate exclusive, was it had a fairy tale parasite crossover, which is not two genres I would have expected to cross over. I've not read a page of fairy tale other than what's in this parasite crossover. Rave Master's first like five volumes are sitting about 10 feet behind me. Yeah. But 
I've read most of Fairy Tale. I kind of stopped after a while. I think most people just kind of fell off it all at once. I had a very like Bleach like thing, except for I think Bleach was a slow slide because of the anime, and Fairy Tale seems like everyone abandoned it kind of at once. Yeah. So we start off with what if the parasites had dropped into the world of Fairy Tale? So uh, Lucy wakes up with her right arm missing and has been replaced by Migi. It's basically chapter two of Parasite. Yes. Only instead of the dog being possessed, it's a cat that is a character from Fairy Tale. I don't know. Happy Natsu's best friend. Yeah. So she like imagines what all the other characters would do if they found out she had a hand parasite. Yeah. And then Happy grows giant bat wings over his head, which and, is pretty funny. Yeah, and starts flying, and Migi's like, what? How is he flying? And Lucy's like, well, I mean, Happy's magical ability is granting himself the power of flight, so it's that's not too weird. Uh, instead of murdering him, she just pulls the parasite out of his brain. It's yes. fine. And Happy's like, you're infested by a parasite, oh no! She was like, Happy, I just had to save you. You were infected by a parasite. And then Happy's like, but... You're the one who's infected by a parasite. She freaks out. She also summons Plue earlier because that's... She's talking about, well, I mean, I can do magic. And Miggy's like, ooh, I would like to see this magic. And so she summons Plue as part of her... She's like a summoner, essentially. She summons celestial beings. So I think she calls him Canis Minor. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Mostly just because of the weird juxtaposition. Yeah, it was definitely really weird going from the shonen thing to try and transpose this horror of how would you know how would everyone react if they found out I had this weird alien thing in my hand? It probably would have been funnier if I knew who any of them were. I think Ezra is one of the girls' names. Yes, haha, <laughs> I know a fairy tale. Yeah, she's the one who threatens. Is like that seems dangerous. I will cut it off now. Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely really cool seeing all her thinking of how all the characters like. I think I'm blanking on his name, but he's the Iron Dragon Eater. Is like, would it be tasty? Like he's gonna eat it? Yeah. So it's pretty funny. It's a weird crossover, but I imagine Parasite being so old might be one of the major influences on. Yeah, because I think the my thing says yeah, Lucy and Migi is copyright 2016. So and it seems uh, this one was drawn by Hiro Mashima. So I think it was him the one drawing it with like permission from. Hitoshi. So Or Hitoshi's lawyers. Or Hitoshi's lawyers, possibly. I I don't know. But the I think that they've got like a preclude thing which is written by Hitoshi talking about it. One other thing we forgot to mention was this is the second English adaptation of Parasite. The first one read regular comic book style. So this one so, reads So right to left instead of left to right. Yeah. And so all they did for that was they just flipped all of the pages. So it was his left hand that had been taken over. So he was called Lefty. And he was like, when we switched over here, we called him Migi. Like we kind of had to slip in the translation from Japanese because we didn't want to call him Righty because that didn't seem good. Yeah. Uh, there's also a great bit of they're talking about some of the author's notes for this was pretty cool. But they had one of the words, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it in Japanese, but it's the killing intent someone excludes just before they're going to do something that's I, like a trained swordsman can catch and he was like it's a really great word that we don't have in english which is totally true yeah but i feel like if you're at all familiar with anime you are familiar with that concept yeah but this is also from the 80s so Correct. i totally but this see is that. a recent translation yeah but i think that was i think that was one of the 
he was mentioning one of the things of like, yeah, we decided to change this up and we kind of had to explain, like they're trying to not modify the story as much as possible. Yeah. But some things like wordplay, that kind of stuff just doesn't translate well. So unless you take the time to explain it, like in the author's notes, sometimes you'll just have stuff go over your head. Uh, yeah, so pretty good. Join us next week for bonus content where we'll review the entirety of Live, Die, Repeat. Which is actually the style of martial arts I practice Aikido happened in the exact same fashion. Uh, I was practiced almost like stretching. You could disguise it as like exercise or something like that. And it wasn't combat training, even though it is.